Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, I'm joined today by a good friend of mine, a guy that I met during my podcast creation journey. He is the owner of the Greg Beal Group, an outstanding insurance setup. He is a podcaster and recently has become a best-selling author. Guys, please, it is my pleasure. Welcome to the show, Jason Graybeal. Jason, good to see you, man. Dude, pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me. Man, it's been a minute coming. Um, you know, we both started out on this podcast journey at about the same time. Uh, you do have a podcast. But before we get into that, man, I don't even know where to begin with you because you've got such an amazing journey on how you've gone from regular insurance agent to, and, and let's not be modest here, you're a little bit of a titan in your own space now, aren't you? Well, I don't know if we'll go that far, but you know, it's, <laughs> we're grown and we're not, we're not what we consider small anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're on a pretty good trajectory for sure. Well, I want to know a little bit about you first off. So let's start with talking about who Jason Grabiel is and how your entrepreneur journey got started. Absolutely, man. Well, I mean, first and foremost, like, you know, now I'm a dad, I have two amazing daughters, you know, they're, we, we talk a lot about the why, you know, they're mm-hmm. my why, right? As you know, what can I create for them? Um, you know, and ultimately what can I create for my team? And we'll, we'll probably talk about that a little bit too, but yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, definitely my two girls, you know, are kind of everything. And I'm, I'm a husband and, and a business owner and in multiple different ways. And now an author, which is something I never would have ever know, right? said about myself, but um, where it started was, you know, you know, it, my, my entire book kind of tells, tells the whole story, basically the last, you know, 25 years for the most part. Um, but, you know, I grew up in, you know, in, in households that had, um, you know, that entrepreneurial drive, right. Had a right, family right. Business that my grandfather and great grandfather started a long time ago. And that was one side of the family. And then I, on my other side of family, my, my grandfather, you know, was an insurance agent. Mm-hmm. And that's always the joke about this, this world and this industry is <laughs> you either, you either get into it by accident or via a family member. And mine was clearly the family member route, but I'm <laughs> um, kind of grew, grew up, you know, seeing those guys, seeing that that world, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, it instilled some very, very powerful things into me this day. You know, the value of people that that work with you as well as your customers, right? Uh, and work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, those yeah. the, my two grandfathers are the two hardest working guys that I probably ever met in my entire life. And my dad was the exact same way. And, you know, that that taught a lot of us a lot at young ages that we probably didn't realize or appreciate until we kind of get older and, and see the difference. But oh, no doubt. Like so many of us got our core values from our grandparents and, and watching them work. I, I remember my grandfather, like in his, the way they dressed in England, he would still wear his tie on his waistcoat and he'd still be out there like painting houses and, and doing the gardens and stuff. Like I know how instrumental those male role models were in growing up. So you, you had good core values from the beginning, right? Absolutely. And I mean, that was it. Grandpa, you know, I worked for him in, in summers growing up in the insurance company and doing doing all the paperwork and the filing and the bullshit. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but you'd see him do the insurance gig all, all week long. And he was, you know, he was, you know, I, I hate to say just an insurance agent, but that's what he was in a right. small town. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was the guy. He had one, you know, lady that helped him for years, but he was the guy. And he'd do that all week long. Well, then on the weekend, what was he doing? He was taking care of the building. You know, he was repainting shit or fixing the roof or, you know, taking care of the equipment or cleaning the office or cleaning the sidewalks. I mean, it was all that stuff, right? This this world that we live in, this entrepreneurship world doesn't work nine to five. It doesn't fucking end at five o'clock. <laughs> it doesn't five. end. It doesn't end at all, no. buddy. No. Never has. Not unless you control it. So it must have been good to see, like, you literally had a male role model that led by example. Um, multiple yeah my dad included too my dad worked a, a you know a bunch of different jobs tried to start a couple of his own businesses you know and so and hands down just worked his ass off to to make money now i mean because he the, had to right? he had a family to support and we didn't have a ton of money growing up it wasn't like we came for money it was you know we we had the nice things that we had and i was able to experience the stuff that i could as a young kid because they worked their ass off and is that leadership now, is that something you have carried forward to your small business, leading by example? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how, do you get, how do you get anybody to follow you or, or to, to believe in your vision if you don't set the example first? Well, what's funny is that you and I already know that. 
But the majority of the people listening to this probably don't know that, the, you know, I was raised very much of you did what you were told and you respected authority, right? So when I first learned to lead, I told my guys what to do and I expected them to respect that authority and it didn't work. And only as I've grown as a business owner have I come to understand that leading from the front is leading by example, which is the way uh, to do that. So, um, man, I'm jumping all around here because <laughs> I, I know way more about you than, <laughs> than, 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 than and I want this to come out structured and uh, otherwise we'll just go straight to the good stuff and start talking about the, the EOS and all the business plan and shit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, there's, yeah, there's so much to unpack. But, I, got, I got to be careful yeah. I don't go too far. I want to get Jason's story out. So <clears throat> let's, let's, let's jump in time to, to your late teens and your early 20s as you've had, yeah, so this, my... you've had this foundation from from your your father your grandfather tell us a little bit about what happens next well so i mean i obviously had that that work ethic right mm -hmm. that big piece and and i was driven you know ultimately driven by money in a lot of ways i knew that money could buy different conveniences and experiences that i wanted and so mm -hmm. i was you know i was driven to make money i always wanted to so even at young age you know i was trying to find odd jobs trying to work for my grandparents you know trying to do stuff on the weekends a paper mm -hmm. route whatever it was because i wanted to make some money yeah yeah and Ultimately, you're, we're in this society that says you have to get your education, you have to go to school, you have mm -hmm. to go to college, you know, and that's the only way that you ever be successful or make money is you have to have, get this college degree in order to, to get this job that's going to make you money. And so I went to college, obviously, under this guise of, you know, personal development, mm -hmm. um, which is not what college is, but uh, <laughs> I did not go to class. I had a really good time. I smoked a lot of pot and was a terrible student. We'll just put it that way. Okay. okay. And but in the meantime, I was working in the summers for my grandfather uh, in the insurance company, you know, making some money and put myself through college by what I was earning in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And he had, at that point, he was a farmer's agent and they had the ability to say, okay, hey, you can um, sell to us as a company. Your contract says you have to sell to us if you want to retire, or you can sell to your family member. Mm -hmm. So he said, hey, Jay, you want to, to buy this company and take it over for me? And I said, absolutely not. Like nobody wants to be an <laughs> It's not sexy. Like I'm going to college. It's now. not. It's not. You know, I'm studying <laughs> biology and maybe I want to be a doctor, but now I'm a terrible student. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. But regardless, like I don't want to be an insurance. That sounds terrible. And so I said, no. And so what did he do? He took his other option and he sold it back to the company and retired. Oh, wow. Well, that was a huge, huge trigger in my life is that at that point, when that happened, I instantly had regret, instantly had like remorse over holy shit. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm not a good student. So I'm clearly not going to become a doctor at this point. Right, right. I was a great student growing up, but just really not in college. And right. yeah, the, there's, a, this, there's like, a separation that, that happens when, when college exists. Oh, right? and entirely. Dude, and there you can put a podcast I, on that. I lasted six weeks in college. Uh, I had a scholarship for music college and I lasted six weeks and it just wasn't for me. So I, I yeah. get it. I get that not being like, I'm a lifetime student, but maybe that college isn't right for everybody. You know? agree completely and you you know we're, we're the same same boat on that but <laughs> yeah so you know i had this huge just like reflection piece of my life was like holy shit now what what do i do and so then i just went downhill even farther right really didn't go to school no idea what i was going to do and ultimately really regretted not taking that opportunity mm -hmm. and that's been the driver for the entire rest of my life is making sure that i go after every single opportunity that i can see or is presented to me um, hence the book C and C. Right. Uh, yeah. It about nine months later, I just said, I'm, I'm out. I'm dropping out of school. I don't want to be here. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I'll figure it out. I'm going to, you know, quote unquote, take a break. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all your college students says, Oh, we'll just take a break. Let's not yeah. bullshit. You're dropping out. Anyways. <laughs> so I dropped out and on my way home, I'm sitting there trying to figure out, well, I got to swing by my grandparents because they've helped me go through college. They, you know, give me this job to make money to go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've just worked for them, you know, for so long and been super close with them. I got to let them know they're the first, my first stop. Right. And so I figure out what I'm going to tell them. And I, you know, pull in and start talking and, you know, give the, the bullshit answer. of I'm just taking a break and I'll just find a job temporarily until I figure did, out. What did I'm grandpa doing. see right through that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> of course he did. And no shit. This is one of my favorite stories ever. And I talked mm -hmm. about it in the book is that the phone rang and the phone Literally, I'm sitting there. I just dropped out of college. I drove six hours home. I stopped at my grandparents' house. I'm talking to my grandparents for like 15 or 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, and the phone rings. Mm -hmm. And it's the district manager for farmers at the time. 
And the guy that they had given my grandfather's book to destroyed it, lost 85%, almost 90% of the entire company in nine months, which wow. to this day, I still don't know how is even possible. The guy just had, had a terrible reputation in town and people found out he took it over and everybody just moved, gone. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they got yeah, rid yeah. of him. Mm -hmm. So the district manager is calling my grandfather saying, dear Lord, do you know anybody that can step in and take over this agency? Mm -hmm. And he hand me the phone. And the wow. next morning I signed the contract to take over that farmer's office. Dude, I think they call that divine intervention, don't they? Right. The universe you, is telling me something. You cannot make that shit up, dude. No, you can't. The universe was telling me something. And I was in this terrible place. Finally just made the call to drop out and figure out what the hell I'm going to do. And the universe goes, here's your fucking second chance. So <laughs> I took it right. First massive opportunity. I, I get rid of the opportunity. And then I had the opportunity to get it back. And that was a huge learning piece for me because I, I would, had the second chance, right? So many mm -hmm. people get this first opportunity and they don't take it. They don't seize that opportunity. And then they don't get the second chance. Well, yeah. now I live, you know, on the mindset of that chance might never show up again. So I'm going to take it. Right. And I mean, right. obviously with, with a reason and some educated guesses, but you know, I'm going to seize it. I'm going to go for it and not look back. Dude. I mean, so, that's, that's literally the universe telling you, Hey, you, you're going to take this on with it, whether you think it's a good idea or not. Here's our plan for you. Absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest piece is the universe had a plan for me. It could see where I could go and what the potential was. And now you look back thinking, okay, this entire world that I have and all of my, my team members at this point, like all that rests on me dropping out of college and showing up at my grandfather's that day. So, you know, that's kind of the, again, we talk about the universe giving us these, these subtle hints sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes not so subtle, like, <laughs> are you smart enough and aware enough to, to see it and to go and to go through it? So, right. Fast forward the story a little bit is I take over this farmer's agent in a small town. Um, I build it back up. I spent about five years in that company. Just give me some context real quick. How big, how big is your town? You say small town, are we talking 5,000, 50,000? Yeah. That town was about 16,000 people. Okay. So real, real small town. Then. This day is about 17,000 people. So right. it just doesn't, it's not growing much. Okay. Yeah. And so I spent about five years and I get, all of that, I'm mean, most of that business back that grandpa had because, you know, they knew me, I had grown up in it. Mm -hmm. You know, I had the work ethic. I was there for my customers, but I was the guy for five years and five years in really just was being drawn to something different, wanted something different, wanted something bigger. And I had one employee and I started to do some uh, research on, you know, acquiring some other businesses. I really wanted, was intrigued by that. So are you like a franchise then for, for farmers or, or were you? Yeah. You're, you're basically like a, you're a, you're a glorified employee. You're a 1099 contractor. You, um, you know, quote own, own your business, but, but you, 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 own, their you, own a, you own a ceiling then effectively. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. You can only, you can only sell their product and you are absolutely capped at what you can do. I mean, just by design, by product offering, right, you're right. just capped. Yeah. So obviously so, for, for, for a guy like yourself, the, the, there was more out there. Oh, totally. I was the number one agent in Eastern Oregon, you know, on the, the east side of the state. Mm -hmm. I produced more than the three, you know, or four or five other agents in my county combined. Mm -hmm. And it was just, but, but then I was kind of tapped out. Like, where, where am I going to go? And right, right. I'd done some research on acquiring other, you know, insurance companies or insurance agencies. I actually tried to buy the other farmers agencies and the company wouldn't allow it at the time, ironically. They did shortly after I left. And started doing some research on what the actual parent company that owned them were doing. And they were kind of starting to buy some other models and buy some other, you know, insurance models where they were direct consumer, eliminating the agent side. Right. I was like, why would I want to ever be a part of a company that's looking for avenues to make money that directly compete with myself? So, so many things that I could see on the wall that I need to get out and do something different. Yeah. Yeah. So I sold it back to the company and started from ground zero again. And so what was what was the difference there would it be the I, i'm assuming the ability to sell more product to a wider cross-section of customers right something exactly. like that so we have there's two models in insurance you know captive ultimately mm -hmm. which is that like farmer state farmer you can only sell their product and then independent you know where you have 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 different insurance companies and you pick the best one for your because they have in, they have insurance for just about everything right oh absolutely so when i think so i knew i wanted to be on that side yeah and so i 
So I made the jump, made the, made the switch. See, I, th I think of like homeowners insurance uh, and car insurance and stuff like that, but you actually specialize in a couple of different niches. One of them that really sticks out to me is crop insurance, man. Like, I didn't even know that was a field till I started talking to you. So how did you even like get a start in that kind of kind of business? Well, that's what we knew on the independent side was that we had more options for our customers. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that was the premise. And at the time I was heavy, just auto and home. Cause that's kind right. of what farmers and state farm all state. That's kind of what they do. Yeah. That's what you think and, of. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's all I really knew. But then I knew on this, on the other side, I just, you know, I had to learn. And so I had to figure out, I didn't know shit about it. So <laughs> here I am, like I have the opportunity to go that way. I'm going to go that way and, and figure it out. And I did. Well, I, a couple years in, you know, I had made a little bit of money, but you know, just barely enough to pay my one employee and, and keep, and at least, you know, pay my, pay my rent. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? Yeah. And so just kind of, kind of kicking along it, but I knew the whole time that I wanted to, wanted to be able to buy other agencies. And now today that's literally all I do specifically in the company. And I knew that I wanted to grow that way. I was never the greatest salesman in the world. So, but I knew my strength was, is, is potentially on the acquisition and the numbers side. Right. And so I kind of put the feelers out looking for a company and what happened to pop up in the town, you know, just, you know, across the county from us. And so I met with them and was ultimately able to buy it kind of two years later. And so then that kickstarted, holy shit. Now, instead of trying to grow organically, now I have five or six employees. We have this book of business that I don't know a fucking thing about mm -hmm. and all these different products, commercial and work comp and farm and ag and crop that I don't know anything about. And I got to learn it. Right. So there's the next six well six seven years oh wow just trying to figure shit out see that's an education by fire in itself absolutely um, i mean there's there's no there's no quick quick turnaround in any of this shit and that's <laughs> i mean i would tell that to all of your listeners is that you guys are struggling you're sitting there you're like i'm just spinning my wheels well some of that's by design and some of it's fucking necessary yeah so you just none yeah. of this stuff happens overnight they overnight say what's it say about exist. about 10 years to become an overnight success something like that yeah yeah, I think somebody told me that. Well, wow, you're an overnight success, and I was like, "Motherfucker, it took me 20 years to be an overnight success." <laughs> uh, it must like, be nice, right? <laughs> and so, you know, about six or seven years into that, mm -hmm. you know, now I've been, you know, what 13 years in the insurance world, and I'm barely making any money. I, I have six employees. I'm married. I have kids. Like, I got to figure shit out. And so, mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to move in, kind of like potentially go into the other family business, you know, and just leave behind everything that I'd done at that point, or figure out what the hell I wanted on my side and, and, right. and double down. But most of us do that though, don't we? We get to a point where we're paying the bills. You've got, you've got the kids, you've got the house, you've got the family and you got your bills paid. And there's, there's a little bit left over and, and that seems to be everything. And I think that's because most business owners think that that's the goal that they, I just, I want to work for myself. So, so they achieve that, but they, they don't go on to take that next step and achieve anywhere close to what you've achieved so what was it that fired that catalyst for you and said you know what i want more out of this i want this next step well the i will tell you that the hands down answer to that is when you stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the other people and as <laughs> soon as you do that as soon as this wasn't a jason Grabeel company mm -hmm. it was a company that was employing or taking care of five families or 10 families or 30 families and it's about them and it's about what we can do for them and what we can do for the customers. It all changes. Yes. As soon as you get yourself out of the fucking way and realize that the end goal here isn't for me to just make money and make my own, because at that point, guess what? The universe is going to say, you're only able to make the money that's just going to be enough for you. Mm -hmm. There might be a little bit on top, but you're going to work your ass off for it. Dude. When you start to say, no, this company is designed about what I can do for the people in it. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? The world opens up, opportunities open up. And the team that now works for you and works under you completely turns around and says, we're here for something that's for us and not necessarily mm. for just him. Oh, it's not about him. All right. You're going to pause the podcast now, rewind two minutes and listen to what Jason just said <laughs> again. Because I, I mean, no, it, it's life changing in an entrepreneur sense when you start making it about your employees and combining their mission and what they want out of life with your mission and with the company's mission. And when you make it about them and elevating them and helping them to become the best versions of themselves, like the money just takes care of itself. So go listen to what Jason said again, man. 
Yeah. And I'll add to it. I mean, so at that time I was, I barely making enough, you know, any money, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit extra over, you know, we, we own a little house. We got the two kids. we got a little bit of extra spending money, but we're not going anywhere. Right. Like the business yeah. is not growing. like, like just about every entrepreneur that, that, that gets to that Absolutely. point, they don't go Absolutely. past it. And so I had this opportunity and that's the piece is like, okay, here you can double your, your take home salary. Right. And mm-hmm. make the switch and give up on everything that I had built at that point. And I had seven employees, I think at that time. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do? Well, do I make a Jason Graybill decision that's gonna benefit me personally? Or do I make a decision that, that is what I originally intended was, was to build a bigger company that took care of all the people in it and provide all these opportunities. Well, when I all of a sudden said, no, I am not giving up on what I had built at that point, what I've been working 13 years on and the people that were under mm-hmm. me, I'm not giving up on them. I'm not going to take this other opportunity. And I just need to get real clear on where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Well, guess what happened since then? And that's the part that's gotten really exciting. <laughs> Sounds so, like things and, caught fire. Tell me what happened absolutely. when you made those changes. So that's um, 2016, 2017. And so now I'm all in, right? Mm-hmm. There is no plan B. I just got my plan B and I said, fuck that. There is no fucking plan B. And so obviously I got to get real clear on where I'm going. And I'm real clear on what I want and where, where I fit and get rid of all the shit that I'm not good at. Right, right. So I knew that I wanted to acquire. I enjoyed that first piece of it. I knew that I had bought one at that point. I wanted to acquire some more. So obviously, like, I need to get clear. Like, if I want to do that, I need to focus on that. Right, right. So then I need to find people inside that can do the sales piece because I don't want to be the sales guy anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be that direct salesperson yeah. anymore. Yeah. I've done it for 13 years. I'm not that great at it. And I really just don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I need to eliminate that. And that just kind of triggered everything because then all of a sudden we bought a company. We started hiring some people to do the, the actual sales piece. Mm-hmm. And since then, I mean, I'll condense, you know, four years, now five years roughly in, in, in a short story, but we've acquired four other agencies. We're four times larger as staff member. We're attracting like some of the best people in our industry and we're growing massively. Like we're growing more in revenue than we ever grew in, you know, premium in a year before. Right. And, um, and, and, and through that, getting the right people, and I'll get back to that crop piece. Well, you, used, that, you used that one key word, attraction. You didn't absolutely. hire people. You didn't recruit them. You attract, they came because they saw what good work you were doing with your organization. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, you can talk about the EOS later, but we, mm-hmm. we have the vision. We have the traction. We have the culture. And now we attract, we don't go looking for people. They come to us right. in droves and it is awesome. And we, we get to handpick the ones that fit our culture and that are the best at the, in their, in, in the industry. And it's awesome. And, but by going out and, and realizing that I needed to, you know, to delegate to other people to do the certain areas that I didn't want to do, I got to focus on the area that I enjoy. And so then all of a sudden now my, you know, Know, whatever you want to call it, work-life balance. My my <laughs> love for what we're doing in the company is mm-hmm. higher than it's ever been because I get to focus on what I love. And then I have the people that are get to do the other piece. And I brought somebody in who knew the crop insurance piece. He'd been telling me for years, like, you need to get in this crop insurance. It's very, it's, you know, really lucrative. It's a great business. And it opens up a bunch of different opportunities on the other side of just the, the farm and, and agriculture piece, which is kind of where we live. So, and so I did that, bring him in and it's blown, blown up. Now I got somebody that knows that business and I don't mm-hmm. have to do anything about it. A, a lot of entrepreneurs are scared to take that first jump and start making the right key hires in the right positions. Now, you know, I brought on an operations director for my firm back in uh, early October and it's been night and day difference with production and everything else. It's been absolutely wonderful. And obviously I had a few reservations before that. It was a jump. What advice do you got for somebody that's right sitting there on the fence going, you know what? I could really use some help, but I'm a little bit scared. Okay. Well then I want to, I want two things from, from you. If you're listening from that person, one, what's your vision? Mm -hmm. Where are you going and what do you see in that company in five years? And what do you actually want? So if you see yourself in five years, regardless of what company it is, I mean, I want, I want specifics. Mm-hmm. I want to know how big you intend to be or want to be and how many people does it take to be that big? And then secondly, once you are clear on that vision, you know, there's no, there is no fucking plan B. I am going to that vision. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I want to, I want you to hire for where you're going and not where you are. Yes. And 
that's the second piece is that I'm now I can back in. And obviously, like if I, my vision, if my vision's five years or 10 years, we have a 10 year vision. Mm-hmm. My vision's 10 years. I'm clearly not hiring for the 10 year vision. Right. You know, maybe my 10 year vision is a thousand employees. Well, at 30 employees, I'm not going to hire the other 970 today. That's right. not work. Mm-hmm. But if I'm looking at, I can back down off that vision, you know, to three years, to one year, to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and say, okay, I need to be always hiring that people piece for about where we're going to be in a year. About a year out is where you're going to hire for where you're going. And, and some of those bigger roles, even operationally, like would potentially be maybe three years out. Right. right. But hire for where you're going, not where you are today. And that just a little piece of advice I would give people that who are afraid to make that hire is this, is that you're afraid to hire because of the what if about, you know, do I get the right person, the training them, the expense, because all that shit's expensive. Oh, yeah. right? It costs yeah. a lot of money to do that. Mm-hmm. But I would trigger you with this. What if you don't? Mm. That's a good one. What if you don't hire them? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Is that problem worse than the other potential problem? Well, I mean, technically, yes, because look, most people get to the point of hiring, like, you know, their first proper salary. I mean, half of us have assistants at, at, you know, 10, 15 bucks an hour. But like most of us get to the point of hiring a, a salary person and think that's a very scary thing. But if you don't make that hire, you're going to look up in a year and be like, shit, I'm still in the same spot. Exactly. And you're going to look up in two years and be like, shit, I'm still in the same spot. So realistically, by not making the hire, it's costing you more time and money than it is to go make it. It's just so much investment up front that I, I understand that it's, it's a scary decision. Um, but I think there's two guys sitting on this podcast that will both say it's the best decision they've, they've ever followed through with, right? Oh, hands down. I mean, you get it, and <laughs> yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't get it. And so but, that's but it's the... scary as fuck, dude. It's it, it, oh, totally. it, it's a salary. It's a there's a, a another family depending on you, and you, you're looking at going. Well, shit, can I make payroll this week? You know, and the answer is always yes. But it, it's so scary to 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 take that jump, and I just have to you know tell everybody listening: do as Jason advised and set that vision up, and understand what it is you want to build, and then just fucking commit to it <laughs> you know? and that's i mean people are so scared of that but as soon as you visualize what happens if you don't do it mm-hmm. well guess what that picture is really fucking scary so yeah choose, choose your hard man oh yeah yeah it's i mean it's all hard just just pick one because yep. staying in the same spot for 10 years and having no money at, at 50 is going to be a lot harder than me just jumping off at 40 and hiring the right people and building my shit you know absolutely and I mean, that's kind of what brought us to this day is, is kind of those, those simple ideas. And, and, you know, those are kind of the simple premises of my book too, is that, you know, there is no fucking plan B. So you got to be committed to this hundred percent. So yeah. this is my, my vision and my dream and my direction. Am I all in committed or would I take that opportunity that presents itself that would pay me twice as much? Man. Guess what? Yeah. That answers you right there. If you're not willing to commit hundred percent and have that no plan B mentality, mm-hmm. then find something different. Go work for somebody else. Because you're putting a lot of stress on your head and your plate and your shoulders if you're not willing to go all the way. I feel it so, so heavily because I've recently started getting opportunities to to wrap all this shit up and, and go and, and do way bigger stuff. And this is where my passion is, man. You know, I've got, I got seven full-time and three part-time employees now and everything's growing. And I'm like, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just stay and finish this plan. You know, it's, uh, it's been a, a very strange, uh, very strange journey, but I want to get real quick into books because not only are you a public author but you uh you follow a specific uh, set of guidelines laid down in some books too i'd like to touch on those and the, the eos system that you guys use but first off let's talk for a minute about c and c's your book that is uh, now a bestseller um dude how do you even begin to conceptualize the idea of writing a book what makes you so special that you can write a book well, that's a, that's a great question. It's a question <laughs> I asked myself when I started. Like, who in the hell would want to listen or, or read about your story or, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we all struggle with that imposter syndrome. And the, the premise is just that we have this podcast for a reason. We want mm-hmm. to provide value. We want to provide insight. We want to give something of value to somebody that's 23 years old and trying to figure out how the hell do I get to Jason's level, but do it by the time I'm 30 and not by the time he's 40. Yeah. Yeah. No right. Doubt. Cause I'm 40. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me 20, a little over 20 years to do what I've done. Yeah. And what if the little bit of I know could condense somebody in to doing that in 10 years? 
Mm-hmm. Well, how valuable is that? Well, that's pretty valuable information. Yes. And so the book was was exactly that. Like I have a story. There's some good insight in the story, but also it just kind of gets out like what I've done because that that's a question sometimes. And um, once you kind of read that, maybe it it just lights a little bit of trigger, lights a little bit of a fire in you that says, hey, you know, I can do that. I just got to get my mind right. And Jason spills it out about how to get my mind right. Well, I like it. I have not read your book. There's probably 27 of them sitting on my desk right now, but it is, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's top of the, we have so many friends that write books and I try to get them read before they come on the show so we can talk about pertinent stuff and yours, I just haven't made it through yet. Um, but there's another set of books that you like and that you operate your company by and just noticed that you had uh, taken your staff on a planning retreat for two days um, to I guess kind of hone in and set your goals for the year and you use a system called EOS. Dive into that with me for a little bit because uh, that's something that really fascinates me about the way EOS takes employees and actually empowers them in the business. Absolutely. So EOS for those who don't know stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System mm-hmm. and it was originally created because we think about a lot of small businesses and you know, there's, there's levels to this shit, right? There's, yes. you know, the guy that starts and he's a sole proprietor and then he gets up and now he's got four or five employees. Well, guess what? The difference between, and I was exactly this perfect scenario, sole proprietor, single guy to five or six employees to 30 employees. Mm-hmm. And it was almost just, that was kind of the transition. And we had bought two more companies and went from, you know, basically 10 employees to 30, kind of just on a single day overnight. Like overnight? Wow. Pretty much. And yeah. With that, it was very, very clear to me. Luckily, I saw up front that there was a mass need for a few things. Mm-hmm. One was structure, is that when you're four or five or six employees, you can kind of just manage everything by yourself. Correct. You know, yeah. Even up to 10, 12, 13, maybe. I mean, you can kind of do you can kind of just do everything yourself and lead them. But to get over that hump, you're gonna be at a ceiling. Yeah, you, you see everything dropping off at like 10 to 12 yeah. employee kind of range. And just, so yeah. I was lucky enough to be handed that book prior to, uh, and the original, there's a couple of different versions. One is called Get a Grip and one is called Traction. Mm-hmm. One tells a story and one just tells you kind of how it works. Well, I'm more of the analytical <laughs> guy, so I read Traction, yeah. which is more just like, this is the process and how it all works. Mm-hmm. But it, it brings in a, a bunch of different things. It brings in structure, you know, who answers to who, where, how, when, you know, and what's that chart look like? What's that organizational chart kind of look like? Um, because it's needed, right? Because you right, can't right. handle 30 employees coming to one guy. It doesn't work. Right, right. It's people. It's, you know, who are the right people on my team? Are they, do they see my vision? Do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have a capacity to do the job that I give them or the role that we have now designed or developed in the organizational chart? You know, what's the data look like? What's the traction look like? Are we actually getting traction on all these things we're trying to do? What are our goals or rocks in EOS, right? What are, mm-hmm. what are our rocks look like for the next year? And what's our vision? And the vision piece was huge. It's like, okay, we have a vision, but is it is it clear? Is it articulated to our entire team? Does everybody on the team, 10 employees, 30 employees, 100 employees, know exactly what the vision of the company is and why? Yeah, because they all got to buy into that vision or, or they'll never perform. 1,000%. Mm-hmm. And so I read that book and it just struck a chord with me that we had bought two companies, went from basically 10 to 30 employees on January 1st of 2021. Uh, we said, we got to put something in place because we can't just haphazardly like run this company now. I mean, mm-hmm. we got multiple offices. We got a lot more people. We got a lot of people doing different things. We got to make sure that this thing is structured, not so much for how we're going to operate today, but for how we're going to operate in three years or five years or 10 years. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So always, again, building and looking towards what the vision looks like, what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. So we hired a, you know, I loved the structure. I love how it all worked together. And we just said, you know what? I don't want to spend the time trying to figure this shit out on my own because I've done that before. <laughs> yes. You know, for half a decade. That but that, that's why you pay for talent. That's why you pay for expertise. It, it compresses your learning curve, dude. 100%. Yeah. And so we said, well, we can implement this on our own, reading the books and stuff, or we can just hire somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We went out and hired an implementer, and it was not a huge expense um, relative to our size now. And we just, you know, dove in. So we have a leadership team that, kind of controls everything that's you know our leadership there's four of us on that Mm -hmm. team and we meet every single week and we're basically responsible for making sure this company reaches its vision yeah so think about that there's four people on that team not just me yeah i own the company the company is my name 
I'm the visionary, quote unquote. We talk about visionary. In the right, US, right, yeah. But the leadership team makes the decisions. This is not a one man show. This is a leadership team driven organization. And then it flows down to everybody else. But those guys bought in. They were agreed 100% that we needed to go this way. And we just we just drove in. No plan B. Let's build it. Let's, let's now put you it in all know what you're doing. You all share the same vision and you all have the same mission. And Absolutely. And before, we all get to focus on what we're good at. What you're great at. Yeah. Like, but before you had 30 employees running around like juggling cats. Absolutely. So uh, the name of that book, by the way, is Traction, and it's by Gino Wickman. If you want to go get it off of Amazon, we don't get referrals for the money, but um, both of us will attest to the fact that it is a fucking solid book. I'll buy you the damn book and send it to you. I'm not a <laughs> of it. All right, so DM uh, Small Business Surgeon on Instagram, and we'll start sending out <laughs> copies of that. Um, and uh, Gino Wickman, if you're listening, I'd love to interview you, mate. So uh, so come on the show. Yeah, just let us know. Well done. <laughs> I mean, I had to throw it out there. Who knows? Absolutely. Who, who knows? And, and it's it's good, man. I've been I've been using the EOS uh, stuff for just over a year myself. I think there was a lot of things triggered all at the same time around that Florida trip when I first met you and and, and started working on all this. So, well, dude, it was so awesome to to you know we were there for a podcast thing. Mm -hmm. We could sit down and you have some issues with business and where I'm going and what am I doing. And we're, there was a couple of us in the room that were able to just like kind of hammer some of that out so for you. And I've like, seen what the difference a year makes, dude. And it's dude, been awesome. None of this would have existed were it not for you and Thomas Keenan going, "You're you're a coach. You you're a, you need to talk about the shit that you know about." And uh, part of me keeps that covered up still because I I feel it's, it's difficult to bring value. But um, let's talk for a minute. You are in a program that I am now in called uh, Apex Executives. Did you join at the top level of the program or did you work your way up through Apex, through that network? So I actually joined at the top level. Wow. So when I originally straight baller, got... just straight in at the top. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll still drop the imposter card on that one. Like, um, you know, we, I, when I first had my conversation with Druby and talked about where we were at, you know, and where I was at with the company and the level and the trajectory we were on, it just made sense for me to go into the bigger room at the time. And that was a couple of years ago at this point. And it, the groups were much smaller. Yeah. And, yeah. But I didn't believe at the time that, that I should do, I, you know, kind of just thought in the ways that he, Drew was trying to sell me and he was, but he was selling me with the right intent. He did good. Was, huh? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that I needed to be in that room. And, and I thank him to this day that he was right. Mm -hmm. You know, I would not have gotten the same level of what we've been able to pull out of that group. If I would have gone into lower groups, I just know that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the value that it's done for us as an organization has been been huge and the relationships that I've built in that. And you know, I love watching you come into that group and then say, I gotta figure out how I'm gonna get to the executive side <laughs> and and did. And that's yeah. awesome. And you know, just it's been it's been pretty powerful. That that was the room I, I, I wanted to be in. I still feel like like I struggled to belong in there, but uh, I mean it's definitely made a difference in uh, in my existence. Would you say that was one of the reason one of the main reasons you started pushing uh, in January of last year towards acquisitions? Well, we had started kind of before that, but it I think that just the power we talk about the power of the network so much. Yeah, yeah. getting the right room that changes your mentality. You know, just some of that it didn't necessarily like change me or change the vision that we had, but I'll tell you what it did do is it made it really bigger. Like it made it much bigger. Yeah. yeah it took yeah, the yeah. vision that I had and we grew it 10 times based on getting around people that looks differently, you know, upping my personal development, upping my, you know, mental aspect and my belief in myself. I mean, some, so much of that stuff came from that room mm -hmm. that just that power of the network and that power of association was was huge for me. How and so it didn't all, it didn't change our direction or vision, but it made it much much larger. Mm, mm. How how important because you know I come from a blue collar working class background over in England, and I'm sure our backgrounds are pretty similar. We both had paper routes and everything growing up. Um, you know how how did did you resist personal development stuff at all, like I did, um, or did you just dive straight in? Well, so I just. I don't know if I really just understood what personal development meant. And I mean, for so long, I, you know, was under this, like, you know, you go to college to learn and then you go and you go start working. And then, then I'm a business owner and I'm working my ass off and I'm just mm -hmm. trying to stay afloat that, I mean, I didn't hardly read, I better read two books in a decade. Oh, wow. I was just trying to learn by failing, by learning, by, you know, experience, you mm -hmm. know, and not necessarily, and didn't ever, 
even grasp or think about the fact of all the extra, you know, information that was out there to make it better. And that personal, you know, quote, personal development piece, I just never took advantage of. Yeah. Part of that is age. We can make excuses, but 20 years ago when I started in business, there were some sales books, but there wasn't podcasts. There wasn't no, no doubt. Groups. There no. wasn't any of that information out there. That you, had to, of- you had to go and specifically seek it out. You had to go to the library and find this shit. And like, I could look at Barnes and Noble on the shelves and see books about business, but then all you've got is the cover and you're just trying to figure it out. Whereas now, holy shit, man, right. you got and- you, guys like you giving to listeners of this show. Like you've got people ready to give back because the, they've, they've found the way to do it. Absolutely. And I mean, that was when I kind of started personal development, it was like original art tape member. I'd started reading a little bit more. And was just like, wow, I'm doing myself a, a disservice to myself and my team to not continue to learn. Mm-hmm. There's so much out there more to learn that when I was aware of that, that I didn't know everything, I mean, the world completely changed. And now I'm a huge proponent of that. You know, we listen to podcasts, we have podcasts. I read a ton of books. I read, a, a, you know, specifically business books. I don't read any of the other, like, you know, fiction bullshit that's Harry, not really Harry Potter. No, you don't do that? not really into that stuff. No, nah, me neither. I mean, I mean, very much business, you know, business driven, but I, but I read and I didn't used to read, you know, I joined networks, mm-hmm. you know, I, I started networking and, and being around other people that have done shit that I could pull information from or, or even provide information to. And it just completely changed the world. And that I only started going on that journey probably in 2016 or 17, mm-hmm. when I got clear about the fact that I had to focus on this direction. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, it was probably about 17 when I started and I hired my first coach and I, I started to uh, to actually learn because you think as you, as you come up, like you're the man, only I can do this. I'm the best because the, the, the people you're hiring tend to be your friends and you tend to be teaching them stuff. And we get trapped as entrepreneurs in this little box that makes us afraid to go and network with other people. Whereas in reality, there's enough business for everybody. I can tell you everything I know about real estate and you could go out and make a fortune and it's not going to impact whether I make money or not, you know, but we're raised to build taller fences. What's life been like since you just started building a bigger table? Well, dude, it's just, I mean, it's blown up everything. I mean, you know, I started to get into the personal development world and I happened to meet some other people that were kind of into that in a small town, you know, Mm -hmm. one, one person specifically that, you know, I'm talking to, talking to different people about what I'm doing and learning and everybody's just like, okay, that's great. And then I make a comment to another buddy about being in this networking group. And he goes, oh, I think Steve Taylor's in that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no shit. I was like, I know Steve. And so I, is, is that his full name? Yeah. Steven motherfucking Taylor. I mean, <laughs> and uh, so I, you know, that's just a funny piece how people get drawn together like that. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, happened to see him at, at the local like water and all and said, Hey bro, like I heard you're in Arte too. And he's like, Oh yeah, I am. And, and like, we're the only people. And hey, what are the chances? What many, are the chances of that? You know, God knows how many miles, right. Mm-hmm. That we are the only people in that group. And just kind of started the conversation, you know, all of a sudden we just kind of clicked, you know, as we started meeting for beers regularly to like talk about business and, and bullshit. And, you know, he was in equipment sales at the time. And, you know, fast forward, that conversation was like, Hey, I need somebody to lead a sales team in my company. Mm-hmm. Why, why isn't it you? Well, guess what happened? It is. Now. It is now. Yeah. And he's also, you know, my partner on the noble business and brews podcast, you know, he's got tons of sales experience. He leads our sales team and all that was driven together just by, having similar personal development, you know, ideas and goals at the time. And you'll, you'll be in a part of the same network, man. Yeah. And now, we, I mean, now that our table's bigger, you know, there's other people that have, have joined both our leadership table as well as just our entire company table. And they see that we're here to make that table bigger and to make the pile of money on top of that table significantly bigger. <laughs> and guess what? People yeah. on the outside start seeing that and they're like, holy shit, how do I get at that table? Yeah. Yeah. Man. And, and it works and you attract people to your shit so man i got a couple more questions um before we wrap this up dude because we're doing great but we are running up on time um the first thing i want to ask you um normally i go into books but we've been into books so first thing i want to ask you is 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 jason man this podcast is aimed at guys that are maybe 5 10 15 years behind us in business and if you could dip in and give one solid piece of advice to somebody that's coming up that wants to get to where you're at what would you tell them get really clear 
on where you want to go. Because if you don't know where you want to go, like and the vision piece can involve everything personally. Like I want to make so much money or I want to have such a big company or I want to impact so many lives, whatever it is, whatever that dream or vision that you want is get really fucking clear on it. I like that. really clear because the rest of it's easy. <laughs> Once you know where you're going, it's easy to back down and figure out how do I get there? Not but simple. unless you know where you're going, mm-hmm. you're never going to get there. You're just going to paddle around in a fucking circle. So if, I, if, if I'd have done that, I always had these like small inclinations of like ideas about where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But when I was got, I mean, tremendously clear, tremendously clear on where I was going, which was about 2016. Guess what? We have exploded since then. If I'd have got yeah, tremendously yeah. clear about where I wanted to be 10 years prior to that, we'd have been ahead of game where we're at now. Well, yeah, but you, but you got this. Piece of that, I'll, add to the, I'll add to the second piece of that is, is my mantra. We preach it on our show. It's in my book as one of the main main drivers of everything in order to succeed. It's no fucking plan B. So get like clear that. in that vision and then make sure that you are so committed to that vision that there's no other possible option. Burn the boats, man. Burn the boats. I love it. I love it. And if you're not clear on your vision, it's like setting out on a journey and having a full tank of gas and just driving around in circles. You'll 100%. never make it. But if you know you're going to a town that's six miles over there, you know exactly how to get there and you can just fucking nail it on and you'll arrive. Like, it's so crazy how many consulting clients I sit with that want nothing out of their business except, well, I, I just did this so I didn't have to have a job. And they go nowhere with it. <laughs> Well, so without that vision, they are going to continue to go nowhere. Yeah. So what's what's the best way for somebody to to sit down and figure out a vision? You got any tools for that that they can use? Um, you know, EOS has one. It's called the the Vision Traction Organizer. Basically, but nothing is nothing of this is rocket science. It's real. We don't need to make this complicated. Mm-hmm. It's literally like so. We'll you we'll use EOS as an example. Okay. It looks at ten year, three year, one year. Mm-hmm. So we start with the big picture vision, the 10 yeah. year. Where do you want to be? Yeah, how, the 10 year bag. Mm-hmm. What's my big, hairy, audacious goal for 10 years from now? Okay, let's get that down. I want this and I want my company to look like this. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be super specific, but don't make it overcomplicated. Right. So big 10 year goal. And then just do the math, man. Do the do the back down the, back know, the backtracking. It. Let's back into it. Like, what's the what's yeah. what's it need to look like in three years? And we use three years, not five years, because five years just gets lumped in. Yeah, three years is much more. You know, you can Shit. visualize three years. It's easy to make a one year and, and track to the three years yeah. versus trying to track to the five it's years. Thirty six so, months, man. It's twelve exactly. months. Thirty six months. So what get, are we going to do? Go to the three year and say, well, where do I got to be in three years to get the ten year? Mm-hmm. Okay, it needs to look like this and needs to have this many employees, this much revenue, whatever, to get to the tenure. Okay, now we know three year. One year from now, what do we need to look like and what do we need to do to hit that three year? Same deal, same, same challenge. And then just say, okay, let's back it down with a one year and go, what do I need to do every single day to get there? Mm, I like it because a million dollars a million dollars a year is three grand a day. Yeah, you know, it's not rocket back science, into man. it. How many sales yeah. do I need to make to hit that? You know. So yeah, really well done. What does the future hold now that you're a best-selling author and have all of these companies that you're running, all of these firms that you've acquired? What's next for Jason? You know, we're just going to kind of keep this train going. Um, we're growing, you know, really fast. We have a great team. We're adding, you know, some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And, and I get to stand in front of them and preach our vision and preach our culture and and know that everything that we're doing for them today is, is just going to make their families that much better off in five years or 10 years. And that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to keep our eye on that prize and keep our eye on that. You know, I spend more time with my kids. I get to focus on the stuff that I love to do. You know, I get to go out and visit other owners and, and help coach and see if we're the, the best opportunity for them to take over their company and then take their team and roll them right into our culture and do the same thing with their team. Yeah, this sounds that sounds amazing. That's what I get to focus on. And it's, it's awesome. That must just bring you so much joy to get to have so much impact on other people's lives, man. Well done. I'm, it, it, it's well, been my it's, absolute I mean, pleasure. It, I love coming to work. I, mm-hmm. I love driving. I love going to work because I know we have a vision and we get to fulfill it. And I love the people that we work with. And it's just, it's awesome, man. I couldn't, I couldn't ask for better. And well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm making pretty good money at this point. So I get to really go experience whatever the fuck I want to. <laughs> 
So perhaps well, you, perhaps you can answer <laughs> perhaps you can answer this question for me then. Is it true that the diameter of a woman's earring can tell you the level of her promiscuity? It absolutely can. So absolutely. we've had that uh, we've had that um, theory going for pushing about twenty five years now, and we'll just we'll just generally quote it that you know the bigger the hoops the better your odds with 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 apologies to uh urban retise there for that yeah so. if urban's listening buddy you've we've proved you we proved that theory on you buddy all right i could i couldn't do a whole show with you and not not let that uh not let that lie dude but man it's been my absolute fucking pleasure catching up with you mate um i know i'm going to see you in a couple of weeks but for those guys that aren't where can the listeners find you on social media where can they follow you where can they listen to your podcast and uh, above all uh tell us the name of your best-selling book so they can run out and buy that too well you can find me pretty easily on jasongraybill.com Everything's in there. Socials, IG predominantly or Facebook is just at Jason Grabiel. Really difficult. <laughs> uh, no Bull Business and Brews is the show that I co-host with Steve motherfucking Taylor. That's a great uh, show. And yes. we give, you know, obviously advice. We drink a couple of beers. I'm not drinking beer right now. I'm on 75 hard, but you know, <laughs> he still drinks plenty of beer for both of us. And, I, I have uh, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. You know. I, and, I, uh, I love that guy. He's, he's, he's cool in my book, man. And my book is on Amazon. The title is CNCs, like C, visualize, and Cs, like seize the opportunity. Love um, it. You can find it on there. It just kind of gives you my story and kind of gives some of the same tidbits that we've talked about today. All right, guys, you'll do me a favor. Run along and uh, follow Jason on social. Pick up a copy of his book. We'll toss all the links in the show notes. Jason, my friend, it's been an absolute pleasure watching you this last year. And uh, it's, we are past due having you on the show. So thank you for giving us your time, man. I really appreciate you. Absolutely, dude. Appreciate it. All right, my brother. You take care. And guys, thank you so much for listening. We will be back, as always, on Friday with Friday Fire. Uh, you'll be good. Stay safe and have a great week. I'm going to get out of here. Don't forget, show us some love. Share the show. Leave us a review. And you can find us over on Instagram at Small Business Surgeon. You'll be good. I'll catch you next week. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.